0: This presentation is from Service Design 2016, held in Melbourne in March. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. I'd like to introduce Alexandra Armand, who is trying to do excellent, excellent things for PTV. I'm sure that you all will say thank you to her for doing excellent things. Thanks. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, my name's Alexandra Armand, as Donna said I work at Public Transport Victoria I've been there for the last 12 months So this is, um, this is me this is, uh, That's me, that's my dog His name's Captain And that's my piano, which I'm trying very hard to learn And doing very badly at it That's about all you need to know about me oh, Except about trains um, I am a train lover um, There's a term for that I'm a gunsel I didn't know that word until I joined Public Transport Victoria last year. Uh, But I have actually been a Gunzel for a long, long time. And that's not just because I love trains and getting around on trains, it's because I love the, the things that public transport can do to your city to create to Melbourne, um, to create a place that I want to live in and I want to be a part of. And because I'm from Melbourne, I kind of feel that way about trams as well, but I'm Western suburbs, so I don't really see them as a way of getting around. They're more just an icon, <laughs> tourist trap, something like that. And then there's buses, and because I'm from Melbourne... I don't like buses because nobody likes buses in Melbourne, except for Nico. If anybody knows Nico from NAB, Nico loves buses and he's great to talk to about them. But actually in the last 12 months, I've had a bit of a revolution on buses and uh, we'll talk about that some other day. But buses are actually awesome. You just don't realize it. <clears throat> That's not what I'm talking to you about today. Today I'm talking to you about accessibility journey mapping These are some journey maps that you deliberately are not meant to be able to read. Um, They're not accessibility journey maps. These are actually our standard um, journey maps that were developed last year. Um, So there's a tram one, train, bus, and a regional journey map. Um, So they are part of a very large piece of work that was all about defining what our current customer experience is at Public Transport Victoria and what we wanted it to be, or at least what our baseline expectations of what the experience should be um, were all about. So The journey maps are the, um, are the display or the, the visualization of what our current experience is, and then sitting behind that we have um, some customer experience standards. Um, And the standards are are what actually define what our expectations are. And there's 112 standards that sit behind these journey maps. So we actually got to this point where we had the standards and we had the journey maps. We had a great deal of engagement and enthusiasm about the work and realised that while we had a lot of data about accessibility, um, we didn't actually have a lot of lived experience feeding into um, this work. And I was a little bit worried that what sort of gap that was leaving us Um, in terms of our human-centered design approach and the way that we were trying to encourage PDV to take this approach um, in everything that we do and felt that we might have a bit of a gap here. So um, we decided that we'd actually go back and do a bit of a rework and see if we were missing anything. So the first thing that we did um, is, this is this is actually a program that's run by the accessibility team at Public Transport Victoria. It's called Walking in the Shoes of Others. And it is basically a way to experience the public transport network with a simulated disability. So, in this case, you can see Catherine is wearing a blindfold um, and using a cane. Um, We also have um, wheelchairs, people who, who travel around in wheelchairs and mobility scooters. And we're supported in this program by Guide Dogs Victoria, Urella and Vision Australia, and they actually provide trainers on the day um, to guide us through. And these trainers are the same people who actually work with people who are vision impaired to help them figure out their way to work and how they can repeat that on a on a regular basis. So this was our first experience, and this is extraordinary. If you ever get a chance to do anything like this, I just I can't tell you um, how powerful it is. Also, how freaking scary it is to be walking around Melbourne, standing at the tram stop at uh, outside Jollymont Station, listening to buses scream past behind you and hearing a tram coming and you don't know if you're standing on the tram tracks or not. It's really, really scary. Um, but it does help you get some real empathy and insight into what it's like for people who are, um, who are having to do this every day. So that was, our, that was our starting point. Um, and then our next stop was a journey mapping workshop with members from the accessibility community. Now, this is actually not our workshop. This is what you get if you Google journey mapping workshop. <clears throat> LAUGHTER and every, most of the people in this room who've run journey mapping workshops will be very familiar with this because this is what they look like. There's, uh, there's lots of post-it notes, there's lots of people standing around and getting really enthusiastic and writing things down and putting them up and arguing and, and it's, it's really, it's tactile and it's engaging and it's fun and it's fast-paced and it's furious. So we were planning to have 36 people in the room, some of whom were vision in Impaired, some of whom were deaf, uh, some in mobility scooters, some in wheelchairs, some with speech impediments, some with um, cognitive impairments. We had older people, um, as well as carers and advocates and a whole range of people. And it very, very quickly dawned on me that this was not going to work. So... Sorry, I actually couldn't think of a good slide for this. (laughs) I just found this great picture um, (laughs) that describes challenges. Um, Our challenges for our journey mapping workshop. So there's some really obvious ones um, that come to mind. So the first is visual cues, because not everybody is going to um, be able to write their own post-it notes, much less put them on the board. In fact, many of them would not be able to see the board um, and the whole idea of, of the journey map as this visual thing that you are creating becomes a real problem when you have people um, in the room who can't see, who you still want to participate and contribute. The next one is mobility. Um, and mobility is, like mobility is clearly an issue for people who are in wheelchairs um, and, and mobility scooters. Um, they're just not going to be able to walk around the room or or go backwards and forwards and contribute in the same way that you would in a traditional journey mapping workshop. Um, It's also, as I discovered, and I probably wouldn't have thought of this beforehand, it's also a challenge for people who are vision impaired because having to constantly sort of change surroundings is actually a real challenge because one of the ways that you actually... uh, when when you are vision-impaired, one of the ways that you actually get an understanding of how things are working today is by actually having some stability in where you are. Um, And look, probably... So, so for example, one of the things we did at the very start of the workshop, we actually did around the room. So everybody is sitting in their specific seats and everybody from where they were sitting announced who they were and where they were from so that the people who were vision-impaired actually had a way to frame their understanding of how the room worked so that they were using visual cues to actually do that. So mobility is an issue not just for people who have very obvious mobility needs but for um, the vision impaired people it was going to be an issue as well. The other thing (coughs) was pace Um, because as I said we did have some people with with some cognitive impairments and and speech impediments as well. Uh, A fast-paced, furious journey mapping exercise was simply not going to get the best from all of the participants in this room. Um, So, started to have second thoughts about it, but that's okay. Went ahead. Anyway, the first thing that I did was get some help. Um, So, uh, 14 volunteers from Public Transport Victoria... I just put the call out and said, hey, we're going to need some help here. can't possibly do this on my own. So there's a couple of reasons for this. The first is we actually wanted, in the same way that the Walking in the Shoes of Others program is encouraging all PTV staff to understand the experience um, of having an accessibility need on public transport... We wanted to make this experience and the things that we learned as broad as possible across the organisation. So we weren't reporting back and telling people about it. There were actually people from across the organisation who had been a part of um, this workshop and were able to take it back. So recruited help and we got pairs of, um, of facilitators for each table. So here we have um, Kate and Kate who are facilitating um, this particular table. We got everybody seated at the same tables all day. Sorry, not the facilitators. Everybody, the participants in the workshop, were seated at the same table each day, and the facilitators moved around. We had six journey stages that were defined by our previous journey maps, and each of the pairs of facilitators owned a journey stage. So, I'm fairly sure that this, um, Kate and Kate, owned the arrive at stop. Journey stage. So they set up at the first table with their arrive at stop journey plan um, and facilitated a discussion with that table, and then they packed up and moved to the next table. And so we went round and round in circles. What that meant was that we ended up with um, two people from Public Transport Victoria who were absolute experts in that journey stage. But it also meant that we had this tables entire journey so each of the stages for this table that took into account um, all of their experiences and what, what they brought to the table um, the the challenge of this so so, Firstly, it worked really well. It was great. Had great people. They were fantastic. Everybody there was really keen to contribute um, and really enthusiastic about being a part of what we wanted to do. So what did we learn? Well, we got a really good understanding the way you normally do about journey mapping when we were journey mapping current experience. We got a really good understanding of what that experience was. We also included a bit on the... Um, on the bottom here about the good bits and the bad bits of each journey stage. Now that's not normally something that I would talk about in a journey mapping workshop because I think it's asking for opinions rather than actual trying to get to a depth of understanding. But The people who were in this workshop had such strong opinions about what was actually needed to be done, what was lacking, and what we really should be working on, that we actually needed to get that out of the way first. So we couldn't talk to people, or we found it very difficult to talk to people about what do you actually do when you arrive at the tram stop. So let's talk about your experience, your, your moments there, what do you do, what are you thinking, what are you feeling because all they wanted to do was tell us about the things that they thought were wrong and needed to be fixed. So we actually had to get that first. So we did. So we got that and we said, hey, yes, we've written that down, we've taken note of that, now let's actually take a step back and talk about your experience. Um, and and that worked really well. Um, we, we had, as you can probably see back here on this, no, you can't see, because. Um, but we had... Um, People with different needs on every table. We deliberately mixed them up because we didn't want want a vision-impaired journey map and a deaf journey map and a wheelchair journey map. We actually wanted to put all of these people together um, and share experiences and bounce off each other and actually see what we could learn from that. And that was... Extremely challenging for our facilitators. So, again, they did an absolutely wonderful job to be able to control that. And it worked really well in most circumstances. So, for example, um, the, the, uh, the table... That, the, the guys that were talking about um, travelling to the stop... Um, we had someone from a, in a wheelchair talk about how hard it was for them to get from their home to the bus stop and that they ended, travel, ended up most times travelling on the road because that was actually safer for them than the footpath which had so many obstacles and things in the way or would actually be blocked and they couldn't get through. And we had a vision-impaired um, customer who said, I, I'm exactly the same. I empathise completely. This is a real issue for me. I clearly can't walk on the road, so I end up walking twice as far or getting someone to drive me because... So I have the same problem, but I have a different way around it. So we had a few discussions like that that were really, really interesting, and that particular discussion ended up in them um, identifying the concept of arriving alive being their goal... (laughs) (laughs) that is just which seriously it was horrible horrible when I heard that I was like oh my goodness is this what we're doing to people (laughs) arriving alive but it was really really powerful so that was that was a great example of how that worked having having people with um, with different needs talking together Um, it didn't work quite so well um, in a couple of other circumstances the people who were uh, the people who were dealing with the boarding stage, so they had a, a stage called board and travel on board, so get on the train and, or, or get on the bus and travel on board. Um, this is such a huge issue for people um, with mobility needs, so people in wheelchairs and mobility scooters, that... We actually couldn't get beyond that. So it was almost impossible to get any perspective from anybody who wasn't in a wheelchair in that stage um, because they had such big issues and they really needed to be talking about it and, and everybody had experiences to share about how bad this was for them. Just... I don't know if I should actually share this, but I will. I'm not sure if you're aware, but if you're in a wheelchair and you have to get on the front of the train because the driver gets out and puts a ramp down for you, and the driver asks you where you want to get off and he writes that down on a post-it note and sticks it on his window. So you're reliant on the driver remembering where you want to get off, which is, you know, a little bit scary. But the problem with that, and I did actually have a participant come up to me during, um, during one of the lunch breaks, a participant who was um, uh, a vision-impaired participant. who said, I actually had some things to say about the boarding and traveling on board but they felt insignificant <laughs> alongside the other issues that we were hearing. So that whole mixing up didn't work so well in that scenario. So we, we missed a little bit there, but we also um, you know, we did back up with other data and discussions with different people in the community. So bits of it worked well, bits of it didn't. Um, so where did we end up? Um, we ended up with our with our little story. This is our accessibility story. Um, The current accessibility experience on Melbourne's public transport. Um, The steps across the top plan, travel to stop, arrive at stop, wait for service, travel on board, disembark and interchange. They're standard, so they're um, part of our journey maps we've well established. There is actually another step, which is post-trip that we actually didn't get a chance to cover in this situation, but... um, so these, they're the standard steps and then what we've got underneath here, the, um, the things that, this is what, this is what they're doing. So this is what's actually happening at this stop and down the bottom in the speech bubbles is how they're thinking and feeling. So just read through what they're doing at the plan stage. Juggling multiple tools to help plan. So this came out really clearly that um, the PTV Journey Planner, which is actually quite popular and a lot of people use it, it's a great tool, um, but for someone with accessibility needs, it's, it's not generally enough. So they'll um, particularly if they're going um, somewhere unfamiliar, in which case you might need um, Google Maps, might actually need a weather app, might need... Um, uh, Instructions on how to get there at the other end of the journey. It's a whole range of different things. So juggling multiple tools to help plan is what's happening at this stage. Travelling to the shop, to the stop, um, negotiating the way to the stop. This word negotiating came out a heap, is that it's actually not that simple. I don't just, if, if, if I'm going to my stop I walk to my stop Um, if I'm in a wheelchair then I'm negotiating my way around whatever it is that's there to get to the stop and this is where the concept of arriving alive comes out particularly in the travel to stop I'm going to come back to that at the end because there's something that we sort of jumped on that with one of our standards. Um, Arriving at stop is all about getting oriented and navigating to the right place on the platform. So that word navigating again, so we had negotiating in the previous one, navigating. Um, Particularly if you are mobility impaired, you do have to get not just to the platform but to a particular place on the platform. Waiting for service, I'm constantly monitoring what's going on. A delightful story from um, Tamara who, it's not a delightful story actually, uh, Tamara who, um, who's deaf and saying when she's on the platform, um, what she is doing on the platform is she is just scanning faces to see if something's gone wrong because that's how she gets her information by watching the other people on the platform. What, what is happening? How do I find out what's happening? I watch faces. Um, so constantly monitoring what's going on. That was her story, but actually everybody was the same thing. The thing about that and that constantly monitoring that was a constant theme across there is if something goes wrong, if my service is cancelled, if there's a change of platform, um, it's a much bigger issue if you have accessibility needs. So navigating your way to a different platform from a change of service is a much, much bigger issue for someone in a wheelchair or someone who is vision impaired. For that matter, someone who is deaf because of the lack of information on the screens about where you should be going to. That's a much, much bigger issue and it takes much longer um, than it does for somebody who doesn't have those needs. So this constantly monitoring what's going on is a state of anxiety um, the whole time. Uh, Travelling on board. This is where we talked about boarding and the, the difficulty of boarding um, and the, the challenges associated with that. Finding a space to sef- settle for the trip and then monitoring where, location. So monitoring all the time where I am in my journey, which is actually quite consistent with what I think most of us do on our journeys. And disembark and interchange, so negotiating a way off the vehicle and on to the next destination. So that's where we ended up with Sitting behind that story are the needs. So these are the the core needs in order to be able to travel successfully on public transport. What's great about this is most of these are really consistent with what we found from our original journey mapping exercise. The core needs are actually very, very similar. There's um, There's different levels and different priorities that come out. So information... is just across everybody. This is information, safety, connectivity, staff, courtesy, comfort, ease of use. All of those things are just absolutely consistent. Um, Some things are more important than others and some factors come in a little bit differently. The one up there that we didn't have in our original journey mapping exercise was consistency. Um, And when we were talking about this it actually became really obvious that consistency is important to everybody else it's important to the general public um, but it's it's even more important and there became more of a focus um, for people with accessibility needs so consistency is things like um, the escalators always going the same way so we have a habit and it's actually it's a reasonable habit because for maintenance purposes, escalators last much, much longer if you run them this direction half the time and then this direction half the time. So the same escalator will go up half the time and down half the time. And that's fine if you can see which way the escalator is going, but if you are vision impaired, the only way you can know is to go and put your hand on the escalator and see which way it's moving, by which time, if it's coming down, someone's going to have walked into you. So it's really uncomfortable. So that consistency um, is really important. Um, and, yeah, has to be weighed up with, um, yeah, w- with other needs. Um, consistent platforms and direction of travel. So... Um, Yeah, people talked about... It's actually about repeatability. So what people talked about was... And and this came out as well when we were talking to the trainers who were training us in our Walking in the Shoes of Others program, um, that repeatability is what's important. I need to be able to learn how to do this journey and then I can do this journey again and again and again. It's what gives me confidence. It's what makes it safe. It's how I arrive alive is repeatability. So anything that we do that doesn't... um, Changing platforms. If my train goes from a different platform every day or even different weekends to um, to weekdays, um, yeah, that can cause real problems and make it difficult to make it a repeat journey. Um, predictable vehicles that work the same way. So the doors are in the same place. You know where to expect your door to be when the train pulls up. Handles, door handles. So sometimes... You have to push a button and the door opens and sometimes you actually have to pull the door open. So things like that, actually um, that kind of consistency is really important. Um, so all things that we were looking at and, and are now talking about. So what did we do with all of this information? Um, we consolidated with the information that we had already. So back to this story. This is a really important story for us to understand and it's a really important story for us to be able to say, to to show and say we do actually understand. we, We get this, we might not have it completely but we do actually understand the journey. But in isolation, that actually doesn't do anything. And what we're trying to do at PTV at the moment is to encourage the entire organisation to be thinking in a human-centred design way, so actually thinking about the people and how you, what we're doing impacts people. Um, and the journey maps and our standards are, are a key way that we're doing that. So what we needed to do was to actually, um, was to actually integrate with those tools, rather than have something completely separate. So what we've done here is we've got a little purple diamond, which is universal access heightened needs. If anybody can think of a better way to say that, we'd be very pleased <laughs> to hear from you afterwards. Um, we did go round and round in circles about that for quite some time. But what we're basically saying is any of these little elements in the journey map that has a purple diamond, it means this is actually of extra importance because if you solve this you will be solving some really big problems or issues or things that are important to people who have accessibility needs so that is embedded um, embedded into those journey maps and is part of the way that we actually prioritize um, things that we work on we're in the process of doing that but it is the way that that will happen And then we consolidated also with the standards. So I said before, there's 112 standards. There was actually only 109. We added three um, as a part of this. So, sorry, firstly, we reviewed all of the existing standards um, and added things. So we changed the language in some of them. And we added a lot of considerations. So things that actually expanded more on what that standard is actually all about, um, specifically calling out the accessibility needs. So, the three new standards that we added were around stations and stops stops designed and operated in a way that improves consistency and allows customers to learn and repeat journeys. So, that's it's about consistency, Um, but in operation and station design. This one is vehicles should be designed to ensure consistent experience. So, that's about the handles and the other things that happen. And this last one, customers shall have safe paths to travel to and from the station or stop so they arrive alive. This is a tinsy bit controversial because the actual path to the station or the stop is not something that's in PTV's control. Um, So it, it isn't actually directly in our realm that we can control. However... It's absolutely within our area of influence because we work with local councils you know, every day of the week um, in terms of delivering services in their spaces. And if we're not making this a priority and if we're not using our influence and our ability to actually make this, um, make this better, then I don't know who's going to. So it's actually part of that... Um, it's part of the grey area. And I, I do actually keep talking about this because... We work with engineers at Public Transport Victoria. Everybody's an engineer. And they like things to be absolutely defined. It's like, it's black and white. And I'm very big into grey because I think the more grey area we have, the more you're actually first forced to work with each other and think about things in a collaborative sense of what's actually going to work here and what's, what's really useful, what's very practical. And so this is my grey area standard that engineers hate. But it's in there now and we're going to make sure... We are going to make it work. Um, so how we will be... One of the ways that we will be delivering things differently in the future. Um, So, actually, before I get to questions, the thing that I want to leave you with out of this presentation, it's actually not... I mean, there's lots of great findings about accessibility needs and people travelling on public transport and how we can make that better. That's... I hope you take that away and I hope you take away that we are working on this and that it's really important. But the thing that I would like you to think about is... Um, the inclusivity or exclusivity of the way that you run your journey mapping workshops. Because I was forced to think really differently about how to be inclusive in this workshop because there were people who had very, very obvious needs that my standard way of going about things was not going to cater for. But there are a lot of people who don't have those obvious needs, who still are probably not being catered for by the way that we go about doing things. So I just think that's something that is really, it's certainly something that I learnt out of this exercise and it's something that I'm taking forward in everything that I do and would sort of ask each of you to think about how can we actually think about how we are are going about our daily business and make that accessible to everybody, not just the people who have really obvious needs. Thank you very much. Thank you, what a fantastic piece of work. Questions for Alexandra? Uh, Great presentation, thanks. Um, I'm interested to know, in the workshops you did uh, when you had the two facilitators on the table, so they became experts in that part of the journey, how did you then extract that information from then In that workshop or after that workshop, did you do a more traditional with poster notes with those people at that time or a different time? Uh, yeah, so um, they were capturing the post-it notes as we went. Um, so we did. We went away and did a bit of work and turned the things that they'd captured into um, into journey maps. So, and we had it done two ways. We had it done via. Each table's journey map, but then also each um, each segment, so each stage of the journey. And then we, yeah, we got them in a room and debriefed and said, "What is this capturing the essence of what you found? Like because clearly, what you write on a post-it note is not actually the necessarily the essence of what the the discussion was or the feeling was." So. Um, yeah, and sorry, you've just reminded me. I actually got them to, first of all, give me, before looking at what we'd developed, um, got them to give me a summary of what they thought about their stage, like what were the key things um, of their stage to check that what they remembered, like what they had noticed, uh, matched up with what we had written down. We then went through their stage specifically and in, in detail and then we looked at the overarching journey and got their impressions of it that way. So, yeah, it was quite a big debriefing exercise and it, it took quite a lot of time because there was preparation for those people as well. So it's not like I just had twelve uh, 14 volunteers for one day. I had them beforehand and I had them afterwards. So it was quite a big exercise size, but a real eye-opener so, and well worth doing. I was interested in um, how you guys came to possibly work with local governments or uh, council governments around um, the areas outside the stations, jurisdictions, and those journeys of getting home alive, those kind of things around how, how, how do you facilitate those yep. conversations? Uh, So, um, it's a a kind of an ongoing um, thing. We actually, at the moment, have a couple of people from councils who are seconded to work into PTV. Um, They're specifically looking at some... I'm going to go with tram... Um, tram stop things Kate's nodding at me, yes it's <laughs> tram lines and tram stop things but actually as part of that it's just part of this collaboration and engagement so we, we do work very closely with councils, we have to so now we've actually got something that we want to be talking to them about and, and having them contribute to so um, yeah it's, it's kind of a way, the relationship already exists, we've now got a framing for things that we want to talk about with them Hi. Um, I often use Mikey as an example of a kind of rant. <laughs> 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 Did I go? <laughs> um, so um, I'm interested to know... Um, I mean, this is great to see. So I'm interested to know whether you... I use Mike as an example of often how a small touch point or a series of touch points can affect the whole system. And, so, and I'm interested to know whether you had some of those experiences of how lots of small things that you've found aggregate to this kind of massive pain. Yep. <laughs> and whether you've kind of sorted out Mikey or not. Um, <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. Um. So bite off what you can chew (laughs) is the first thing. We have only... So can I just put this in context? And it sounds like, you know, an apology in it. I have only been at PTV 12 months, and the team... (laughs) And the team that I'm in now, which is a service design team, has only existed, in in fact, in its current state for two weeks. So we we were formed in December, and we went through a recruitment process, and we now have a team of people who are doing service design. And that's the... The first time, this journey mapping exercise was Jordana's way of getting this in, and we now have a team of of service designers who are two weeks old. So, (laughs) so nobody at PTV has been doing this, and I totally agree with you about Mikey. And um, and and you're right; it is a it is a series of little touch points um, that that go wrong, and then there's all there's all of the challenges of dealing in a in a government organisation who has the ways of doing things and, you know, we will do this. Come back in three years' time and we'll do a presentation on how um, great Mikey is now. <laughs> um, but just as an example of other things, um, other touch points and things that build up, um, one of like, one of the things that we are absolutely working on right now because it's, it's actually reasonably... Easy to fix is the real-time information that you get at stations. So, um, the the information that is displayed on on um, I was just going to say PIDs, but you know I'm already into the, the language uh, on the digital displays, the announcements that come over, and how that matches up with what you've got on your um, on your device, on your mobile phone. All of that stuff is <clears throat> is actually quite disparate at the moment and there's a lot of work that we can do to, and that makes life really unpleasant and uncomfortable often when you're looking for information, particularly when something's going wrong. Um, so, yeah, that's something that we're working on as a... We can actually... These are a series of small things that don't add up. We can make that better um, and, yeah... We're, we are attacking some of those little things. Mikey will happen. <laughs> this is an awesome piece of work. Absolutely wonderful. Great. The, when you were recruiting your participants, yeah. were there any difficulties around there and with any difficulties around self-identification of disability? That's a really good question. And... Uh, not, in this, not in this particular instance, but we're actually quite... Um, we were working through industry bodies to find participants for the most part, so um, that, that actually took that out of... ..a bit out of the question for us. So the people who were, um, who were in this workshop had actually identified with their particular um, disability or the needs that they had and were happy to come and talk about it. But um, one of the reasons um, that I mentioned we had um, we had older people in the room because we were actually trying to capture some people who had needs that don't necessarily identify as, um, as, as having needs or as needing something specific or different to anybody else. So we got the Council for the Aged to come along and participate, um, some representatives from there, because that whole... It's kind of what I was was trying to say at the end is it's actually reasonably easy to deal with people who have a visible disability because you know what they need, but it's much harder for when that is invisible. And I don't think we've actually nailed that yet, but um, it's something that we're very conscious of. Hello, um, I'm just interested in how you arranged um, the tables, and you said you didn't want to mix up people, or you yes. did mix up we people. We did mix up people, and yep. not necessarily just have blind versus. Yep. Why did you do that? Um, we did that because we felt there would be a lot of um, value in actually getting people to bounce off each other. So th- that is that is quite specifically what we wanted. We wanted. Um, we wanted a shared experience and in the same way that if I was running a, um, a journey mapping workshop with people in within PTV, I'd make sure I had people from HR and engineering and planning and um, technology all working together because actually by hearing each other's stories, I think you get a much broader picture and you put your own um, your own situation in context and understand how that actually works in in a broader sense that's what we wanted and like I said it it worked it worked to some extent Um, and I think on the whole it worked more than it didn't work so it was I think it was the right the right way to go Terrific, thank you very much. No worries, thank Again, you, you can um, grab Alexander at lunch and ask further questions. Cool. Thanks. Are we, actually... <laughs> we actually do have um, the entire team here from Public Transport Victoria, so, mostly sitting at that table over there. Um, and we'd all be happy to talk to you about okay. public transport. So, yeah, come and talk. <laughs> we hope you liked this presentation from Service Design 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.